Good morning, everyone. I'd like to talk today about our God does the impossible. I'm going to show my age here. Growing up in our house, we watched Mission Impossible. It started in 1966, and it was on for many years. And since then, there's been several sequels, movie signal, uh, sequels. And if you remember, they lift, lit the fuse. They had that iconic music playing. Mr. Phelps goes to a location where he gets his impossible mission over a tape recording. The tape recording dissolves. He picks a crew to do the mission. It's usually involving an obscure country that didn't exist. They win in. They complete the impossible mission, and they use disguises, sets, gadget, tricks, and smoke and mirrors. And at the end, they succeed in the mission. They leave quickly. The music starts again, and it leaves the victims completely befuddled how the con worked, and they couldn't figure it out. They did the impossible, but our God does the impossible, but he doesn't use any tricks or cons. Looking back in the ancient days, one of his first impossible works in Genesis 1, he says over and over, and God said, and by his spoken word, the earth and mankind were created. Later on, he does another impossible act of wonders. He controls the sun. He stopped the sun in the middle of the sky so Joshua could continue and pursue and destroy the enemy. In Joshua 10:12, it says, On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and you, moon, over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Jassar. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Some scientists say this is impossible, but it was not impossible for God. And some try to explain away God's miracles by a natural phenomenon. They say it could have happened without giving God the credit, especially the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea. Look, you can Google it and you see they say the winds could have parted it. But I like what Bill McDonald says. He says, how he did it is no question for us. It's not ours to try and soften down miracles, but to glorify God in them. Amen. He shows his power in miracles and demonstrates it many times, and they always bring him the glory. In Jeremiah 32, 17 and 20, and 21, it says, 
Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You perform signs and wonders in Egypt and have continued them to this day in Israel and among all mankind and have gained the renown that is still yours. You brought your people Israel out of Egypt with signs and wonders by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with great terror. Here's one of my favorite, favorite miracles. This is a sledgehammer head. It weighs seven pounds. You can see the handle used to go through here. And what they do when they put the handle in, they put it in and drive a wedge in here, which holds the handle. You'll see these fall off of sledgehammers, pickaxes, um, regular hammers do the same thing. If it gets loose, these will fly off. This is the same as an axe head, just a different shape. They're not inflatable. Heavy metal. And if we fill up with this baptismal, and one of these days we will fill it again and put it to use. If we fill it up and I drop it in there, it's going to sink every time. You could do it all day long, and it's never, ever going to float. So that sets the stage for our story. These prophets were doing the Lord's work. That's important. And they asked permission from Elisha to build a larger center and a larger place to study and to live. In 2 Kings 6, 1 through 7, we have the story. The company of the prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where you meet with you is too small for us. Let's go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let's build a place there for us to meet. And he said, Go. Then one of them said, Won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied. And he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh no, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick, threw it in there, and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. Completely impossible, right? To make that thing float again. The Lord could have just floated it up to the surface and been done with it. But as he does sometimes, he uses people in the middle of his miracles. Now, in this one, the prophet borrowed the axe. Men, guys like their tools. And if you loan a tool out, You want to get it back. And the person who borrows the tool, he would have felt horrible had he not been able to give 
the axe back to the one he borrowed it from. Plus, how many people had an axe in those days? It's not like Home Depot where you can go down and pick one up any time. It was probably a rare tool. So the Lord protected the prophet by not going in debt. And he did the miracle. And Elijah, Elisha demonstrated his faith by throwing the stick in and the Lord brought the axe head up. And he did it in front of several witnesses and their faith was strengthened with this miracle. And when we're part of a miracle, it tests and grows our faith. The word says faith grows from faith to faith. These impossible acts are always in his will and we, we can learn I got a few here, and we can learn from every one of them, and they all bring glory to God. That was a simple thing he uses, but he uses these simple things in a lot of them. Look at these, look at these simple things. The axe head, fishes and a couple of loaves of bread to feed thousands, turning water into a fine wine at the wedding. He replenishes a jar of oil over and over to sustain a family and the widow, food supply and a famine. He turned a wood rod into a snake to bring Pharaoh to his knees. And he made water to stream from a rock in the wilderness for a multitude. Another amazing one. He put a coin in a fish mouth to pay a tax. And sandals and shoes, simple things, did not wear out for 40-year trek in the wilderness. The Lord never prevents us from believing he can do the impossible. We tend to do that on our own. Our wills sometimes get in the way, or it's siblings' doubt and unbelief. All are sins. Sometimes we think we're an expert in something. And we know something for a certainty. A little knowledge sometimes can be dangerous. I remember uh, Larry King, he was a famous talk show host, and he was being interviewed about the gospel, and he was very, very close to believing it and accepting it. But he just said, ah, can't go there. I just don't believe in the virgin birth. And that happens. I've heard other people, they'll believe in something Big that they don't understand. I believe God created them in the heavens and made man. But, you know, everybody's dying before they're about 110, 115 at the most. I just can't believe people can live to be 100 years. Their will and doubt stumbles them so they can't believe the word of God. I know that axe head will sink every time. You know that too. So I just, I believe that God made the axe head float. And when you think about it, oceans are littered with sunken ships. Remember the Titanic, the measures they went to go way down there and it was buried in the sand. There's no way, nothing is floating up to the surface. It's impossible. When we doubt or have unbelief, we call God a liar. When we believe most of it, but not all parts, we call him a liar. We have to believe all of scripture. Partial belief is unbelief.
Another one of my favorites. Some think that this was not a miracle. I think it is. It's a three-parter. Naboth inherited a vineyard from his ancestors. Ahab, as greed does, he wanted more. He wanted Naboth's vineyard. Ahab told Naboth, look, I'll give you another one. We'll swap it out. I want yours. Nahab said, no way. It's been in my family. I want it. So Jezebel cooked up a conspiracy to murder Naboth, which they implemented. And Naboth was stoned to death. And Ahab went on his way to take over the vineyard. That's part one. In 1 Kings 21, 17 to 19, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who rules in Samaria. He is now in Naboth's vineyard, where he has gone to take possession of it. Say to him, this is what the Lord says. Have you not murdered a man and seized his property? Then say to him, this is what the Lord says. In the place where dogs licked up Naboth's blood, dogs will lick up your blood. Yes, yours. That's pretty amazing. That's the prophecy, part two. Shortly thereafter, Ahab and his army went to war against the Syrians. The battle raged on. In 1 Kings 22, 34, it says, But someone drew his bow at random and hit the king of Israel between the sections of his armor. The king took his, told his chariot driver, Wheel around and get me out of here. I've been wounded. All day long the battle raged, and the king was propped up in his chariot facing the Arameans. The blood from his wound ran onto the floor of the chariot, and that evening he died. As the sun was setting, a cry spread through the army, every man to his town, every man to his land. So the king died and was brought to Samaria, and there they buried him there. They washed the chariot at a pool in Samaria where the prostitutes bathed, and the dogs licked up his blood as the word of the Lord had declared. So a three-parter. The conspiracy, the killing, the prophecy given to Elijah, and then the completion of the property Prophecy where it says the dog licked up Naboth's blood. So to me, that was a complete miracle. It all happened the way the Lord said it would. And when you say, if you ever see these movies with these archers in those days, there's just fire and arrows all over the place, hundreds of them in the air. So this random arrow by a random archer goes through a split in the king's armor and causes a mortal wound. To me, that is a complete miracle. Now we go on to the New Testament. A father was struggling with unbelief. He prayed for his lifelong demon-possessed child. In Mark 9, 21, it says, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has this been like, like this? From childhood, he answered, 
It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he is dead. So it's amazing. You can hear Jesus say, if you can, you're asking me if I can, come on. He almost is impatient with, because he got impatient with the disciples when they asked him this stuff too. He's impatient. But this one is as much about healing the boy at is, is testing the faith of the man who said, help me with my unbelief, because that was a, a good prayer. We do all have that prayer. Help me with my unbelief. And when the man said, I do believe, that was, that was strong. Jesus liked that. And then he completed the miracle. Unbelief is such a sin. In Luke one thirty seven, it said, For no word from God will ever fail. And we move on to today. He did things in the past. He does things today. 1 Timothy 2.4 says, Who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. <clears throat> and by his grace... He makes the path to salvation so simple that a child at the right time in his life can be saved. It's not a complicated thing. It doesn't take any, it's not a tricky thing. No cons, no tricks. And children who believe, like adults who make a confession of belief and get saved, are part of this, whosoever believes in him shall have eternal life, just as older people are. And everyone must make their own personal decision to get saved. You can't get grandfathered in as a member of a family or a member of a church. There's only one way in. In Acts 4.12, it says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. The Holy Spirit Part of God does the impossible every time someone else is saved and he forgins all of our sins. An impossible task that only he can do. There's only one way in. It's impossible to access heaven or the Father except through Jesus. We all know the verse. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. All roads do not lead to heaven, despite what you might read on the internet. <clears throat> and we all know what he has done in our lives and continues to do in our little church. So many answers to prayer. You know, the getting the church building was 
that was a miracle in itself. Part of that process got some incredulous looks from the people from the bank. They start out, okay, what's your uh, committed pledges from all your congregation? What's your income? Uh, Zero. How can that be? We give, as the Lord says, we give from the heart, and it's by the grace of God that we give. Okay, what's your salaries? I need that. Uh, Zero there, too. Well, how can that be? Everyone contributes to the ministries of the church, and there are no salaries. And every New Year's, we hear what the Lord has done in people's lives. Not just the big things, but the little things every day, every step of the way as we stick to his plan. Last time I talked about those sparrows. Well, they're gone now. But the Lord loves those sparrows and cares for them, as it says in Matthew 626, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more, much more valuable than they? So he cares for the sparrows, but much more he cares for us. As the word says, we're in his hands and we're under his wings. Think back on how many times you've been surprised probably like me, many, right? Probably plenty of times we get surprised. I remember in April when this whole thing started, a lot of people said, oh, this will be quick. We'll be over this quick. It'll just go away. And then it wasn't going away, so they said, okay, we're going to do the lockdown for like one month, and then it will go away. Well, they did the lockdown, and six months later, here we are again, And it seems like April all over again. Isn't it great that we have a God that does not get surprised? He knows what's happening. He knows what's coming ahead. And he knows what's going to happen at whatever comes ahead, what's going to be the outcome of that. And that is the beauty of putting him first. He sees the big picture and knows the end results. And when we fall, which we do, the miracle is... He still loves us. We have an amazing God. He's never caught off guard. The grave couldn't hold him. He rose from the dead and he reigns in heaven today. Acts 2.24 says, But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep hold on him. There's nothing too small for God to do, like raising a little axe head, and nothing too big for him to do, like raising his son from the dead out of the grave. And in the future, he's going to do the impossible again. It seems like the conditions around us these days are kind of, it can be overwhelming, kind of impossible. But he's going to do it again and for all eternity. There's one thing that's impossible for him to do, and that's lie. So everything he says in the word, we can bank on and trust and just put it in our heart. What he says is true, and it will happen as he said it will happen. And most of this has been about God doing the impossible, all these examples. 
But every one of them kind of is a faith check on us. Do we believe he can do the impossible? Or do we doubt? We're going through COVID. It's spiking globally. A divisive election, racial tensions, protesting, and we still are in the fire season. It hasn't rained in ages. So the fire danger and smoke danger are there again. But remember, Jesus said, everything is possible with God. The Beatles had a good song. It was called, We Can Work It Out. It was about a trouble that was, a couple that was having difficulty. I'm not going to sing it, no worries. But it should, we should say, actually, only God can work it out. And that is the truth. He gives hope to the hopeless. And we want to please him in everything we do. But if we don't have faith in him, we can't please him. We can only please God if we do what Jesus said, where he said, have faith in God. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it shall be yours. In Hebrews 11.6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So let's keep our faith up, be encouraged by these examples. So we talked about what he did in the past, what he did today, and what he's going to do in the future. So we still have a preview of coming attractions. We find one in John 14, 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. That's one. And another one in 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. So two things yet to come, very encouraging. Thank you, Lord. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are the God that does the impossible. Thank you for these examples that strengthen our faith. We pray for our country. We pray for the the fight to create a vaccine that would be... Uh, distributed to all, Lord, not just the young, but to the old as well. And we pray that this election, this divisive election, doesn't create rancor and and, uh, strife no matter who wins. We thank you today for this, uh, this word, and we love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.